Um, and you've asked me how it is to go out of my bubble to the real world. And I want to say it's exhausting. Yeah. I feel I have the responsibility um, with the things that I've learned to share with the other people. So it's my capacity to what I see is going on whenever it is injustice or poverty or climate abuse or any type of mistreatment around me. Um, and it doesn't have to be so sad or it doesn't have to be so doom and doom. Um, mm -hmm. I think we also need to come back to celebration. Like, hey, life is beautiful. And in the end, we will all die. So I'm sorry if this is like too spiritual and so on, but let's come to a basic point of impermanence. We will all disappear at some point. So what do we do now to live our lives in the moment? And yes, what are the structures, but also the spontaneity flow that we put into place to create a more beautiful life our hearts are longing for, for everybody? Um, so that's for me like a model of I, we world. It starts from the individual, building on the collective and then having an impact on the world. And as a structure, there, there are many. There's sociocracy as a consent decision-making process and non-hierarchical organizational structure. There's holacracy, um, ways to communicate like nonviolent communication, community building like Scott Peck, and of course my favorite, Dragon Dreaming as a holistic <laughs> project planning tool. <laughs> Dragon um, Dreaming. Yeah, but I want to ask you about Dragon Dreaming, but I have another question for you, Theodora, first. And it's really inspiring, you know, the way you see life and how you bring that into your work. And, um, yeah, like bringing everything together, like spontaneity, community development, environmental change. I want to ask you, like, just a curiosity question. Were you always like this, like a risk taker, a change maker, a dreamer, you know, and <laughs> making things work, making things happen? Or, or was this something you developed? over time or through serendipities uh, because we all have our story and I could tell you about mine but I won't in this podcast because I want to showcase your experience you know and and celebrate your work <laughs> and thank you for sharing it with us but yeah just a curiosity because I want to link it more to everyday people like we all are you know and yeah. how they can tap into their inner hero you know which is not that strong and powerful thing. It can also be vulnerable, you know, and moved from compassion and love and empathy. And the reason you leave your Eco Villas to go out and do this exhausting work that you say that it doesn't have to be painful. It, it's, a, it's a combination of celebration, joy, and a bit of suffering, right? Everything together, isn't it? Life. Yeah. So were you always like that? Or, or is something <laughs> that... <laughs> I mean, my family said I'm a strong character. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah, so I, I don't know, but um, I was driven by curiosity and enthusiasm of seeing, okay, what can I find more deeper? What What is next? I always had this question of what is next? So it's like an insatiable thirst of finding out somehow like how deep the rabbit hole goes or how deep my curiosity is. Um, but I, I, definitely, I definitely like and I resonate and I agree with what you say of we don't all have to be strong and actually vulnerability is strength. I think we are too strong mm. of pretending we don't care yeah. 
uh, about the grief of the world, or we don't care when we see so much plastic in the rivers or poverty happening, that it doesn't touch us, that we're so enlightened and strong and actually vulnerability and softness and compassion is what creates, in my experience, connection. And it's so beautiful to see a lot of young people showing their sensitivity to the world. It's so touching for me. Um, so I'm not saying you you have to be strong and pretend like everything's fine. Nothing is well, fine. Super hero, right? Having this talented or charismatic personality, which we we all have in different ways. You know, we are all unique. We all we are all uniquely gifted. But yeah. I feel like it's more the humanity, right? The pain, the empathy, the love, the the search for a better world that moves us into this calling, right? Of creating Absolutely. something. A hundred percent. It's when your heart breaks from so much suffering and pain that you see around you, that is when, you know, let the light shine through your cracks. Yeah, that is that is when I've also decided to start to start my journey because it was too painful to look around me and see the things that I've seen. Yeah, and m most of the people that I work with and the communities that I work with, even though they're organizations or activists or grassroots movement, they all share the same thing, the grief mm -hmm. and the pain for the world. And a yeah. desire to change, right? A desire for something new, isn't it? A yeah. hope. Yeah, definitely. And a desire to, to, to live your life with purpose and with meaning. No. Yes. And I feel like these are the conversations that we are not having enough many times in the community, you know? Mm -hmm. We see mm -hmm. a lot of, at least here in Sydney, we're very professionalized. We have all these interagencies, consultations, working groups, research, data about what's wrong, you know, and what's mm -hmm. missing, and what the problem is. But we are not having enough conversations about what our communities, you know, are grieving for and what what change they want to see and what are their assets and what are their dreams, you know, and what are their stories and having those conversations. So this is a bit of asset-based community development that I work with here. But when I do, you know, hold space for different organizations and change makers and young people, we see amazing things that can energize us for weeks or months. You know, when you see a person rising up and, you know, um, taking a step. It was a very good conversation. We were talking about, yeah, vulnerability and being seen and also so showing softness. Um, and you were telling me about when you um, practice space holding with your groups, um, that it's so beautiful when young people show themselves, right? Young people and uh, everyone. And I feel like we all talk about, you know, vulnerability and, and the power of that. But I think um, we, it doesn't always or often happen. And it does take a particular type of space holding and facilitation and safe and brave space as well to get to that point of deep sharing and, you know, developing that intimacy. Because if we do that, then we will also work better together, right? Exactly, completely. And this is what I wanted to bring is that in eco-villages and communities, there is this part of governance. So how do we get organized and so on? But there's this part of process. So when are the moments that we allow ourselves to be vulnerable as a tribe? to go to really your deep, deep longing of belonging. So 
not becoming, being something, but belonging, being part of something. And how does the group take you and how do you allow yourself to be seen and surrender into the group? You now we usually put, we go to parties and put a facade and yeah, everything's mm. fine. Um, but how do you really show yourself up in your community? And it doesn't have to be an eco-village. It can be your neighborhood or your group of friends. How deep do your friends actually know you and how do they respond when you share something vulnerable? So it definitely needs safety and it needs a space to be held. Um, but it's so magical and beautiful. And for sure, it's the fuel that makes us work better together. Yeah, It builds on trust for each other and it builds on uh, communication. Yeah, because I yeah. know... You can listen to me and I also listen to you and then we are present with each other. So I'm not thinking about my shopping list when you're sharing something very deep for you, right? Mm. Yeah, and, and I feel like um, these spaces are so like re-energizing, you know, and um, mm. recovering spaces, like healing spaces, whatever you want to call it, you know. And... Um, the challenge, and I know I should stop talking about challenges all the time because I'm usually very optimistic <laughs> and fun and spontaneous, but I kind of, I'm also an empath. So I, you know, I feel like I embody a lot of, I feel both, you know, the joy of being in spontaneity, but also the pain of, you know, um, mm. that's out there. So I feel like I, I can navigate both. But what I'm saying is um, in, you know, in this environment, in many environments, modern social environments, where there is pressure for outcomes, KPIs, solutions, and outputs, having mm -hmm. those conversations, you know, moving at the speed of trust, as we say in asset-based community development, building social capital, building those like safe, you know, restorative relationships, yes. seems like a luxury that we cannot allow ourselves or our communities to have. And here we are spending so much money, you know, with new programs, with new technology, with new funding and arguing and advocating in the parliament, which is, has to happen as well. But then we don't give enough space. We don't hold space for young people and communities to really connect to themselves and, you know, decide what they want to work on from a place of empathy and compassion. And I feel like at the same time, I feel the calling as we speak, you know, for every one of us, practitioners, but also people, to mm -hmm. have a good reflection and embrace that ourselves. Be the change we want to see in the world, as you said. Yes. And yes. yes and be yes, brave, yes. right? Be brave to be vulnerable because that that's very, very brave. When Brené Brown, everyone loves Brené Brown, right? And uh, um, talking about, um, you know, um, vulnerability, but uh, um, Brené Brown was brave. She talked about how she went to a therapist and, and, and she resisted vulnerability. She was an academic, you know, and, mm -hmm. and then she probably explored, you know, her trauma, pain, whatever you want to call it. And then she found her strength and her passion, you know, and the, and the value of vulnerability. So I feel like, yeah, we need to start practicing that a bit more, right? <laughs> Being vulnerable uh, with each other. Completely. Being vulnerable alone. So again, the I, mm -hmm. starting with first allowing and accepting that you are who you are and that's okay. There is nothing wrong with you. And the things that you think are wrong with you actually are there to save you. So when we look at 
trauma-informed practices, we realize that everybody has a past and the past is influencing the present and the future, if not healed. And um, I like it when you speak about um, spaces of reflection for young people to have space. That's a privilege. In our mm. super fast day-to-day -day life of job, uh, food, party, students, ta -ta -ta, when do we have space to slow down, reflect, and check in with ourselves what is truly valuable, important, beautiful and true for me mm -hmm. we have no space for that and then to create these spaces collectively because we're also experiencing collective trauma on a relationship based right so experiencing that collectively and building trust again in the group is so precious and so important to take the decisions of the future from a space within yourself that is filled with dare I say love rather than fear or hate or anger towards mm -hmm. the system so we're not trying to fight a system but we're trying to create one that makes the other one obsolete right like Buckminster Fuller said with uh, his sacred geometrics um, so for me also in my life I'm not looking to be against that is an energy that creates separation, yes. but I'm looking to be with. So where can I put, that was a guiding question for me as a youth, like where can I put my energy to build or create together with other people, the spaces, the safe spaces that nourish me and that I want to see. And maybe it's a jam session or maybe it's a sharing circle or maybe it's a walk in the nature. Um, but what can we do together that we build more this space of breathing, slowing breathing down, space, yes. yeah, and finding the answers within and not taking the answers from outside? Because sometimes we need others to hold us or hold space for us. For us space holders, we yeah. need others to hold space or hold space for each other to be yes. able to slow down and reconnect to our life-giving energy and spontaneity and passion and love in a balanced yeah. way, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so actually what I'm for doing the carers, is... No? Sometimes we say, who cares for the carers? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So like what I'm hearing from you is a question of how do you take care of yourself in the midst of all of this? Um, I feel like it's a question and also like... A, a rhetorical question about the interconnectivity and the supports supporting networks and tribe the tribe uh, you know our own tribe and our own yeah. safe space creation starting with i as you said then going yeah. to we so it can yeah. sustain our work i feel like whenever i i turn a blind eye to that i pay the price so i have to yeah. go back to the basics you know of self-care holding space so they and i can go back to doing the work that i'm meant to do yeah well, it's so beautiful what you're saying. It's really tapping into um, something that I've seen in my work. And it's that also working with young people and in my coachings, I have people exactly like you and me that come to a place of burnout because no, like um, our passion and our heart is burning so strong for change um, that we tend to. So what I do in my personal life is 
practice, personal practice, meditation, yoga. Um, I'm a Vipassana practitioner. Um, and I, I really try to take a time out. Um, don't see everything so gloomy. Also enjoy life. Have a veggie burger yeah. somewhere out. <laughs> and yes. uh, my group of friends and my peers. So, yes, I have a therapist. But also my, my group of friends and my peers, the people that understand me, the people that when I talk things, um, they're really there <laughs> with me and for me. <laughs> they support your crazy ideas, you know, because they know it's a way to sanity, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel I like... support theirs yeah. and it's, it's nothing, uh, sorry to interrupt you, but it's no, nothing no, that we pretend. It's really something that, hey... We build on each other's energy and whatever that is, you know, maybe you're excited about, I don't know, vegan leather shoemaking, or maybe you're excited about um, growing spirulina, whatever is that, find your people, find find your people, find your tribe um, that is there with you and learn tools to self-host yourself. So self-regulation, self-hosting. Um and also what made a difference for me, it's changing the mindset from a lonely wolf, you know, the lonely mm, rider. Yeah. I'm going to do this alone and I can make it and I'm going to push through. And that's that's not it. That's not it. The future is in the power of collaboration and in the power of communication and making ourselves being seen. You cannot, in my experience, to go alone means to be burnt out, to do uh, long, uh, short distance. I think there's this proverb: if you want to go alone, yeah. you want Africa, to go yeah. far, go alone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I feel like you know, I think it's a combination of when you embark on your heroes or hearing journey of believing your dream, even if no one else believes it. Yes. But then, yeah. but then there is a cross, you know, a threshold where you have to connect to your tribe and other people, mentors, allies, you know. Yeah. Um, and I feel like this is so important to realize. Because, as you said, we can either go from, you know, will force, power of will, mm-hmm. and, and burn ourselves out, or we can slow down, connect to others, and build a movement and a community around us. And 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 I keep, like, get, going back to that lesson because I feel it's so important, you know. We have, like, a few different things. I'm doing the podcast. We have the ABCD network here in Sydney, mm-hmm. um, working with different change makers to create new trainings, and, and in working with young people to apply for grants and do different work. I feel like there is so much nourishing there, but I still have to hold space for myself. And I want to touch into that because I think it's very interesting and I want to bring it back to a framework. I know we are both part of Art of Hosting. Yeah. And Art of Hosting talks about um, like, you know, one big lesson from Art of Hosting and foundational principle is host yourself, host others, allow to be hosted in a community that hosts itself. So how do you weave art of hosting and maybe dragon dreaming? I'm getting a bit technical again. (laughs) (laughs) In your work um, with communities, I think I feel like it's interesting to touch on these two things, art of hosting that I know very well and dragon dreaming that I don't, but I I like, I like the idea. It combines with hero journey and stuff. I mean, I think you tapped it. You know, it's exactly that uh, weaving. Um, for me, 
I have a range of toolboxes. I've, I've never been a deep learner, but I'm very much a broad learner. And um, I believe also in space holding through the power of emergence. So um, I'm not the type of person that I go to a space and, okay, I have a plan and a structure, let's follow it, even though I do have that. But I also like to allow more space for the group to breathe and to see what is actually important in the space, what needs to arise and what can I respond to with my knowledge and structure into this space. Um, and, I, and I found that very, very helpful because usually we try to do things according as plan and we mm -hmm. fail um, because we're so stuck into this is how it should be rather than working with what is with emergence yes what is in the room so it's definitely weaving um so i do open space or world cafe um or yeah the eightfold path <laughs> we're becoming very very technical in the art of hosting that's that. right because there are websites and there are things for people to explore you know and learn some of these approaches and bring them in their practice they are yeah. life-changing right and transformational for ourselves as practitioners and also for people. So I think there is nothing wrong with getting technical, right? A bit. Yeah. So that's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, we go to philosophical, we got a bit, you know, philosophical, so it's good to get technical as well. Yeah. So I, I call myself a collaborative facilitator that... Um, mm -hmm, I like this term. <laughs> I bring... Uh, so my mission is to bring uh, clarity with joy and understanding in a group. So if it's not fun, it's not sustainable. And if it's not clear, then there's a lot of potential for conflict and projection. Yes. So I like to bring up these two with Dragon Dreaming, which is a actually indigenous-based uh, and informed project planning tool coming from the Aborigines in Australia. Mm -hmm. um, and it has these four quadrants of dream, plan, do, celebrate, um, and different processes of how to do that inside of it. So I like, uh, when I work with groups and I work with collaboration, I like to weave different methods like check-ins, check-out, art of hosting, um, deep, transparent communication, um, dragon dreaming, and process work. Process work is very, very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so and how do you deal with conflict? Uh, just one example, you know, I think it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> in terms of you know because a lot of the questions i get and i do podcasts about and i talk about and i explore is how do you deal with a group that has like a ongoing conflict or intergenerational conflict or a group that can agree on one vision and i could talk about that but i'm interested in how you through your like you know practice and holding space and different tools that you use and working with emergence how yeah. do you deal with conflict like personally and also in the group mm. When it well, comes out, I mean, not personally, when it comes out in the group. Mm. And it affects everyone, right? <laughs> For sure. It definitely affects everybody because everybody's indirectly involved. Um, I know you also have your approaches. And... I do, I do. It's so <laughs> funny how many different languages exist, you know, and they are so similar in the values and essence, but uh, they have different names and different origins. Yeah. So for me, the first, first basic thing is I don't see conflict as a problem to solve, um, but as a possibility to grow. So I stopped seeing conflict as something bad and heavy, 
but something that if it is heavy, we can stay with it. So staying with whatever it is and seeing it as a capacity to grow individually and collectively. And I understood that conflict happens because somebody needs help. We usually think conflict happens is because you want to be against. And no, conflict happens because somebody in the room, maybe everybody, is being overwhelmed of what we're going through. So my standpoint is that I'm kind of like the person that has an oxygen mask or is the adult in the room that can support the people that are going through being overwhelmed um, to get them back to a space of clarity. So if we look at trauma-informed solutions, what is happening in conflict is that your brain is not online anymore. The emotions are taking so much over your rational capacity. So if I'm mediating a conflict in a group or between two people or also in myself, first thing I do is regulate. Co-regulate the nervous system of the group and i am getting technical right now no 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 definitely keep but going that really helps first breathe breathe and slow down and recognize that somebody in the room needs help somebody's overwhelmed and their really capacity or possibility to think straight in that moment is not there it's not online something in them has triggered a childhood wound or a trauma mm -hmm. experience or a past information that is making them react how they do in this moment. They would not react like that if they would be online. That it's, that's why it's called reaction and not response. So for me, conflict management is entering into a space of dialogue in which it's safe. We slow down and listen to each other to what we actually want to say. Um, many times when we're overwhelmed, we tend to project our overwhelmed into other people because of course my cup is full and I need a space to put whatever is happening inside of myself outside. I cannot handle what is going on in this moment. So my role as a facilitator and conflict resolution person in the room um, is to allow this overwhelm to happen, to hold it, and to come back to a space of being online. And from there, there are other mediation. Like, I hear you hearing me, I feel you feeling me, what is your perspective, what is their perspective, and then we can start working with something. But until these steps are done, I'm, I'm not even opportunities, possibilities, or solutions, because you can't. You just can't. Mm -hmm. And you also don't take it personally, right? You have an amazing reframing capacity of seeing that as a cry for help and having empathy yeah. for that, slowing down, um, seeing how you are affected and start your own self-regulation, like hosting yourself, and then mm -hmm. helping the person co or the, the group co-regulate by yes. slowing down, by active questions, by reversing roles with them and being curious and empathic to see what's happening and how you can go back mm -hmm. online. I'm just uh, like paraphrasing what you are saying from my own language and understanding. Tell me if I'm wrong or if uh, I'm missing something. 
it's very good. I mean, for sure, not taking it personally. It's again the basis of hmm. not reacting, right? Not reacting, but responding, being open to that and seeing it as an opportunity for growth, as you said, right? Because yes, usually the people, from my experience, like in a group, you know, or in a community, the people who seem like the troublemakers or the you know the cynics are sometimes the people who have so much to offer in a group. And unless you manage to work with their energy and include them in a process that's safe, you know, we are missing out on an opportunity to exclude someone that we judge and we separate ourselves from, right? Yes, yes, yes. We can learn from them a lot. So don't take it personal. Be with an open heart and with open capacity. And if, if you feel trigger first, step back and check your trigger. If, if this person in front of you is triggering you, look to see why. And if you cannot solve it yourself, go to a mediator. And I mean, I'm talking now from the perspective of facilitating conflict in groups, is yes. sometimes I, first of all, separate the people. So it's like, okay, you are there and you are there and I hear you both. Mm-hmm. And making it very clear that you're not forced to be best friends right now. If you hate mm-hmm. each other, that's totally fine. <laughs> and that's what we're working with. So it's somehow like unraveling step by step and seeing what this conflict is about in a slow manner, in an empathic manner, and looking to see the story of the other without affecting my own, if that makes any sense. It totally makes sense and it goes back for me to something we discussed before and it's interconnected, which is the self-care because for myself as a facilitator, you know, and mm-hmm. a space holder, and um, when I am rested, feeling good, I have this yes-end attitude from playback theater. Whatever they give me, mm-hmm. I, I roll with that. I'm yes-end, whatever it is. But if I'm tired, overwhelmed, cranky myself, this is the danger for me to react and not to respond or to take me time to regulate. You know, yeah. which for me connects the dot of, you know, self-care and hold space for ourselves. So then we can uh, be our best selves and hold space for others, you know. Yes. And for and sure. realizing that's not a perfect process. The work that we do is messy, you know, and uh, it won't always be harmonious, right? It includes conflict and conflict can be a good thing. For sure. And it's a matter of the heart and the energetic body. It's not something you can um, solve with your mind. If you want to look at conflict resolution already with the mind, drop that. You are invited to enter into a space of vulnerability and not knowing. Um, And I think it's really... So my job is to, as you said, move at the speed of trust. So go... Um, at the speed of people, not pushing them forward or not behind, but going with them through the process of unraveling and finding out what are we working with? Is it pain? Is it trauma? Is it fear or anger? Maybe it's deep sadness or grief that it's being covered through conflict. So for me, conflict is just the surface layer of it's Mm -hmm. the tip of the that is hide actually deeper things maybe somebody went over your boundaries or maybe something racist or sexist or culturally inappropriate has been said um what is it actually there 
that is creating this conflict. And when I, I like I like the magic of conflict resolution because we can come together. We see conflict as this big uh, big um, uh, demon or a dragon that we can never applying methods of rupture and repair to a conflict is crucial to our community building. Um, and I think that's when you need a facilitator and a mediator to be in the room to help you. Yeah, because sometimes we're Exactly, exactly. And I feel like... <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of culture of avoiding conflict in many ways, you know, in our society yeah. and work with communities and organizations and people being fearful of conflict or even feeling that they are wasting time and resources and energy working with community, involving them, you know, and, and, but I feel like if we don't do that, then nothing will be sustainable. You know, it will be coming from a place of uh, self-protection mm -hmm. and exclusion, right? And not integrating diverse opinions, experiences, being trauma-informed and slowing down and reflecting on what is the real outcome here. Is this a process, you know, and how, what we can achieve together if we go through that hero's mm -hmm. journey of conflict, right? Because that's another hero's mm -hmm. journey, isn't it? And I'm, I'm admitting that, you know, conflict has been a love and hate relationship for me, but my work got me to that. So I'm, I'm, I'm having to learn it. <laughs> my natural tendency <laughs> is to avoid conflict, you know, and make people happy. I'm a people pleaser. But in order to do this work, I have to be brave and I have to learn how to work with that. And it's doable. If I can do it, I feel everyone can do it. Because yes. I'm really the person who wants to make people happy. In my family, I was that person. You know, I I'm, I'm joke a lot. That was my natural coping, coping roles, you know? Yeah, yeah. And but they didn't serve me anymore after a point. They didn't serve myself and my work. Yes. Hmm. I mean... It, for me, it really comes back to we all have that. And thank you for mentioning um, what are the tricks and dynamics that we do to put ourselves down to belong and yeah. and how and where can we make a group of people? Because you asked me how to start community. And for me, the essential part of community, the essence of it is creating safe spaces where it's safe for me to not people please and still belong or not be strong and still belong. So that is the point of vulnerability to stop doing the things I was doing to belong, but truly belong. And in Scott Peck, there are these four phases, no pseudo community, like the romantic phase in which we're all super happy. And mm -hmm. but like on a surface level, like you're still people pleasing and I'm still being the strong one. <laughs> and we're still not saying what we really feel about each other. <laughs> exactly. Right. We're still like being very polite and nice, but we're not showing anger and boundaries and what is true for, for us. And mm -hmm. um, so we're still like kind of, testing the waters and pretending everything's fine till a point where you can't do that anymore and you get into chaos. That's the chaos phase where the yes. drags show up and conflict shows up. <laughs> but also authenticity shows up, you know? I really see who you are and who I am and where are our strengths and vulnerabilities or skills connected and where is your boundary and out of this emptiness can start so it needs it needs 
Mm, so the chaos phase needs to deconstruct the politeness we have constructed to go into our authentic self because authenticity is going to create trust and ultimately bonding. Um, when I work with groups and with projects, um, I, I always ask them, where are you as a group? Where do I where do you identify yourself on the map? Um, mm -hmm. Because in my experience, more than 90% really of projects do not survive because they cannot work well with each other without having boundaries, authenticity, clear communication and safe space. And those things come when you when you go through the chaos phase, exactly as you said, mm -hmm. I, I conflict and I don't want to be there. I want everything the to grown be zone. <laughs> huh? We call it the grown zone in the divergence, emergence, convergence model. Yes. The grown, you know, the chaos. Exactly. Yes. No, I think, um, and I feel like this is a blind spot in our community development work, right? And something that we need to be honest about if we are yeah. to do any meaningful work with young people communities. We have to be able to stay with the emotion, to hold space and, and have the tools. And sometimes when we say tools, it sounds like a bit maybe sophisticated and out of reach or it requires <laughs> a lot of many years of studying and practicing, like meditating every day. No, sometimes it's just bearing the unknown and staying there until yeah. something else emerges, you know, being able to breathe when we, you know, we forget to breathe and small things, because at the end of the day, when we are facilitating something, you know, the way, like in youth theory, they say um, the intervention depends on the level of awareness of the intervener, you know, the person who intervenes. So mm -hmm. the way we are and we show up, affects also the way other people are right in mm -hmm. our facilitation it's not a magical thing but it uh, we do co-regulate in many different ways right that are not intellectual or through talking completely co-regulation happens at the basis of the nervous system and even if we do it consciously or unconsciously it does happen the the tool in this case or the magic because i agree with you all these tools sound so mechanic mechanical um, but the, let's say the magic is bringing consciousness into it. So being aware that right now I'm breathing with you in the same time and with my presence, I'm giving you space to feel whatever you want to feel. Of course, if you want that, there's no obligation. Um, but the more we do co-regulation and self-regulation in a conscious and present way, I would say that's also maybe a secret to a successful uh, community building project or any project that you want. And that's how we move like uh, in art of hosting in a community that uh, hosts itself, right? Yes. We exactly. all take responsibility for our, you know, for ourselves and our actions and we are interconnected. And I mean, it seems utopian, but it's not. We provided like, you know, a lot of different tools and information on how people can practice those things and, 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 and bring them in, in their everyday work, wherever they are, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Completely. It's about transitioning from funct functioning as a group. So only being uh, responding to emails, doing important things, urgent things, and only functioning to really connecting, connecting to each other. And somehow that's, for me, um, the social element of responding to climate change is when we learn to connect and be 
together. And from that point, whatever solution wants to emerge for our local challenges, it can, because now it has space. It's not the mind that decides the solutions, but as, as a collective. It's an emergence and it's a co-creation with ourselves, each other and, the, and nature, right? Yeah. Yes, and spontaneity exactly. comes into place and crazy ideas and, you know, from small things to big things. And that's how change is enacted in our communities, right? In yeah. terms of the ripple effects. And sometimes it's a messy work. That's what we're talking about. It involves a bit of co-regulation, right? And <laughs> and, the or as I like to call it, daring facilitation. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Trusting the process, that's my favorite mantra. Trust the process, deal with the unknown, and find playfulness and joy. Like, yes, mm -hmm. it is tense, and you can stay in your own sweat, you know, as some trainers call it. Like, hey, stay with the, the heaviness and the hardship with an open heart and open mind, but also make it playful. Like, if it's not fun, it's, fun. it's not sustainable. No, make it playful. Bring in the creative, joyful part inside when, of course, it's appropriate. Exactly. Yeah. And sometimes I think we also have to, like, you know, resignify fun. Because for me, I know I'm weird, I'm different, but <laughs> I, I'm part of psychodrama community where we go and, you know, we do open up ourselves and our traumas and we have enactments and deep, you know, um, psychodrama happening and i love that it's so much fun it was the most fun weekend better than partying like i don't know why and i feel like if it's meaningful you know and people like different things it doesn't have to be like always joyful to be fun you know yeah, yeah. um yeah. but also i like what you know we say in abcd why have a meeting when you can have a party so i feel like and it's funny because a lot of times you know we try to be something in this world and show up a particular facet you know but mm -hmm. people are attracted to us because of our essence which sometimes it is fun and loving you know and spontaneous yeah and i feel that's the shadow like right we we want to appear like intelligent and successful and professional but people can see our inner child and they get attracted their inner child is getting attracted to our inner child so we can play and co-create together right dream a better co-dream a better world Oh my God, completely, 100%, exactly. Co-dream a better world from a place of innocence and a place of authenticity. Like drop, drop everything you think you should do and start being what you really are. And then you will see, you know, like your vibe attracts your tribe. You will see the people that you attract around you when you start becoming authentic and speaking your truth. And of course, that requires to be brave and to be courageous. No. Be brave to be you, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we're going to to really the basic of things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, don't want to be me. I want to be like Theodora. You know. <laughs> I think. I think. No. Yeah. No. I, we had the discussion in a group before, and we say well, there is only one Theodora. There is only one Dimitrios. There is only one. You know, Dalai Lama or whatever you want to call it, or only Peter or John. Like, and there is beauty in each one of us, right? And, exactly. and innocence and kindness. So how can we tap into that? Thank you. Thanks so much, Dora. That was really interesting. I feel like we went to many different places. We covered a lot of things, micro, macro. But I hope that, you know, um, yeah, the, the people who listen will be inspired to reflect to, you know, some spontaneity will come into their thinking and life. Mm -hmm. from that. And I'm happy to connect with you, you know, on from Sydney to Switzerland. And, and yeah, you're part of my tribe, I'm telling you. <laughs> 
Yes, the international tribe. Yeah. The international tribe. You help me establish an echo villa here, an echo village. <laughs> we will do it. Even online. <laughs> yes, let's do a course. Why not? Let's do an, a course, you know, online of how to develop an echo villa. You said that you're running these courses, right? Yes, I um I do. So I'm a Gaia education facilitator for the social dimension in mm-hmm. uh, in building eco villages. So you can find me there. Um, at the end of August, I will um, hold space for eco village emergence. So building resilience. Um, it's an online workshop for a weekend. Um, powered by the Global Eco Village Network, you can find them on their website. Um, and yeah, basically that's my work online and offline, helping uh, eco emerge. If you can send me a few links, I can add them to this podcast for people to be able, for listeners to be able to research. Because from conversations I'm having, formal and informal, a lot of people are looking for different solutions. A lot of people, you know, are part of or doing some type of alternative work besides their roles and you know daily lives so i feel it's time to bring that more into the light you know and and embrace mm. it and i feel like yeah um we can connect now the technology can be used in you know in a positive way by connecting all these different initiatives that are global you know and 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 they are meaningful and they can help us co-create a better world and, and save the environment and ourselves and our kids right yeah, exactly. I mean, the internet just made the world smaller and there's so many resources out there. I'm very happy to share with you um, links. Mm-hmm. Thanks so much. Pleasure yep. talking to you. Thank you for sharing your wisdom, yourself, your expertise, your knowledge. Yes, you're very welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. And it's it's been like I'm smiling. It's been a beautiful pleasure to be to share this. Yeah all of this with you and i feel we we kind of round it up in a very beautiful way thank you this and yeah i hope whoever is listening that uh, um something touches in you when you hear all of this and hope to see you soon (laughs) i'm sure it will and i'm sure they will see you we will see each other soon thank you so much Theodora. keeping you (laughs) yes (laughs) you being you and let's be part of the same tribe Yes. Yes. And let's be part of the same tribe. Let's, you know, make some change. Thank you so much.